This week in college viability for September 22nd, 2023, my name is Gary Stocker. There must be something in the water in Iowa. It has become a hotbed for tuition resets. I'll assume you know what those are. Graceland Lamoni is the latest to join this fictional tuition reduction party. And I've lost count of the number of private colleges in Iowa that have reset their tuition to generate more interest. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But they really, really, really have to quit saying the tuition price will be lower. Time and time again, the new tuition price is either about the same as the high price, large discount tuition price. No, no substantial difference. But sometimes, and I, in my observations, more times than not, this high price, large discount version that colleges say scare away students, NMA, it's actually lower. This is Gary Stocker. Welcome to the podcast. We call it This Week in College Viability, and it is our effort to provide a fast-paced, entertaining, and alternative voice to the propaganda and hype flowing out of America's colleges today. And it goes back, let's go back to the story about Graceland Lamani. This is a perfect example of the market that's adapting and it's adjusting like all markets do. And they're trying to do that by creating a perception that the price is lower than it is. That's not necessarily true, but you can certainly offer a lower starting price. I did the post on this on LinkedIn this week, and I had a fictional example where I said, to tell you what, I'm going to discount the Gary Stocker University tuition price from $50,000 to $5,000. In that same announcement, I would say, and the, and the faculty and staff have agreed to a 95% reduction in their salary. Folks, at some point, these colleges have to have the revenue to pay the bills, to keep the lights on. Let's do a good news start today. And let's go to Central College, also in Iowa. And Central College makes a commitment to, to graduation timeframe. And this is what's different. They're putting their money where their mouth is. And like always, I'm going to include the links to all these stories in the show notes. I'm going to read to you the, I'm going to be the PR agent, the PR mouthpiece for Central. Did you know that Central has a transfer graduation commitment? When you transfer to Central, you can be confident you will graduate in time. And this is where they put their money where their mouth is. We believe so strongly in our approach to educating and advising students. We pledge we will cover the cost of tuition for one additional semester. That's a qualification. If the academic plan we create for you does not result in your graduation in the, determined, in the determined timeline. Well, good for them. If, if you follow our College Viability posts on LinkedIn, Facebook, and other places, you'll remember we show that way too many colleges have low four-year undergraduate and six-year undergraduate graduation rates. We call it a coin toss college. If you can't get your graduation rates at least in four years to 50%, and if you're a first-time listener to the podcast, you might want to ask your favorite college or colleges you're considering or attending what their four-year undergraduate graduation rate is. And let's give credit to Central College. They're saying, tell you what, if you can't graduate in that four years or whatever time commitment you agree to and they agree to, they'll cover the cost for one additional semester. I'm a little concerned about the qualification, but so be it. Questions, comments, concerns, even insults, send them to Gary at collegeviability.com. And let's go to one of our favorite reporters and columnist, Rick Seltzer. 
from the, the Chronicle of Higher Education. And he's talking about the uh, riffing on the first day of fall. And he's suggesting that colleges, the prior days they demonstrate are out of whack. If you believe their first job is to educate students, that's nearly, not nearly, not readily what colleges do at all. Because their structures do very little to prioritize teaching. I'm sure you've heard that before. We know that professors aren't typically or rarely trained to teach. Most get virtually no training in graduate school on teaching well or teaching effectively. And for what it's worth, just one in four percent of colleges have a teaching center. I don't know what that means. And it's scholarship earns tenure. We know that. Instruction is rarely examined in depth in annual reviews. And student evaluations, self-service rights, are denigrated by faculty and administration as unreliable. And contingent adjunct faculty, I am one, uh, are now dominate the instructional workforce. They often carry heavier teaching loads, self-service ads, than those on the teacher, on the tenure track, but receive less support. And even on the family side, families just can't find useful data, Seltzer shared with us. Parents and students see rankings based largely on reputation or wealth, but not teaching. And colleges just spin things way too crazy with obscure metrics, and I've teased about this before. If you really want the data, get access to our college viability app. Look at that four and six-year graduation rates. You'll be spooked by too many colleges. And so the college garage and rummage sale spectacular continues. What we're now starting to see across the country as colleges close, they sell off their assets. And some just sell them off quickly. For example, Cardinal Stritch University up in Milwaukee sold the entire campus, lock, stock, and barrel to another education organization. Done. Over with. Moving on. However, the good folks in at Iowa Wesleyan University, continue to have their version of the college garage and rummage sale spectacular. And this past week, they opened yet another building for, I guess, an open house for if you or I wanted to buy that building for whatever use. It's just, yes, we can have fun with it, but it really does, it's really indic indicative of the state of the college market. And don't think for one second we won't see other versions of the college garage and rummage sale spectacular happen, happening at a private college near you. And I don't think I've done too much sarcasm yet, so let's add some here. Brandon Bastide, who's the Chief Partnership Officer and Global Head of Learn-Work Learn Innovation, he offers some freely flowing sarcasm this week. Bastide says, college presidents, in quotes, Say college rankings are highly problematic and students and parents shouldn't use them to judge schools. Bustide adds, in a different tone of voice, the same college presidents, usually in a university press release, say something along the lines of, we are thrilled to be recognized by this organization as the best of whatever. It's the best college with brown bricks and red roof college in the country just plain silly. It continues. It will always continue. We just have to fight through it. Now here in St. Louis, we have been entertained and concerned with the stories coming out of Webster University and reported through St. Louis's Post-Dispatch. And it started, and if you follow my, my, my posts and other podcasts, it started, silly enough, with a story in the Post-Dispatch saying Webster 
had reneged, had not paid $70,000 in rent for a downtown campus. They're in a suburb for the regular campus. $70,000 in rent to a downtown St. Louis campus. And it followed, and that was, even as I saw that, that that's couch money. Webster University is well-funded. They have substantial long-term investments. Their, their endowment is, is strong, not great, but strong. But the stories that followed got them. And what eventually came out from the same post-dispatch writer was that the chancellor and president at Webster University were paid, let's put it this way, a lot of money. And the reporter, Staff Cookson, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, went to the board of trustees, chairman, and effectively asked, hey, what's going on? And after putting on tap shoes and putting on earmuffs and not answering initially and then dancing around the question, the chair of the board said, we do a thorough investigative and market analysis study of our compensation for presidents. Now, here's the rest of the story, as the late, great Paul Harvey would say, Webster has lost $25 million, give or take, over each of the last few years. Over the last eight years, I think it is, $100 million, something like that. And so you really got to wonder, what kind of market analysis did the Board of Trustees do that showed that a college chancellor and president whose organization lost tens of millions of dollars deserves to be compensated at a rate I don't know, three, four, maybe five times what other college leaders at reasonably sized similar organizations are compensated on. This story hasn't ended, and I know I'm going to continue to follow it. But one of the things Webster said was they are they're going to do well because they have a new strategic plan. Doesn't every college in America either have a new strategic plan or touting the fact that they're developing one. Here's what comes into play, and we saw this in Iowa with tuition resets. The market is. The market doesn't care about your strategic plan. The market only cares about what drives each individual student's interests and their ability to pay for those interests. There is no strategic plan that alters the basic market forces. West Virginia University is next on the list. And the story, the headline reads, and this is an opinion piece, West Virginia University's cuts are a travesty. Now, this is by a Paula M. Krebs. I think she's a PhD. So Dr. Krebs is the executive director of the Modern Language Association. She's a former dean, professor of English, magazine editor, and interestingly, a sports writer. And as you might guess, she has a bias. She thinks that the West Virginia University cuts in foreign languages are a travesty. And, you know, we can, we can take an expected, she takes an expected view that languages are important. And they are. There's no question that languages are important. English, you name it, every language is important. There's no question. But do we really need hundreds or thousands of colleges to offer foreign languages, not even foreign languages, languages like Latin or Russian or Farsi or Korean or other less than mainstream languages. Not every restaurant has cheeseburgers and fries. They specialize in foods and products they're good at. Microsoft has yet to make a car. Maybe they're thinking about it. They're pretty guys darn good at software and a little bit in hardware, but they don't make pasta. 
every college doesn't need to offer every major geesh. West Virginia University made a bet on the future, and you know what? They were wrong. There were not enough students interested in their majors and courses to fill the buildings that they built. Adjust, please. Adapt, please. Move on, please. Get off your high horses, Dr. Krebs and others. I wouldn't give a plug nickel for the overall business acumen, acumen of the West Virginia University Board of Trustees, but they are what they are. If their decision blows up in their face, and it looks like it is, it would just be part of the continuing series of college boards and college leaders having a, a difficult, having great difficulty getting out of their own way. And I got to go back to Graceland one more time. I did this on a blog post, but Graceland is the college that announced the tuition reset, lower tuition price from 32500 to 19500 Can I share their finances with you over the last eight reported years? From data the college itself reports to the National Center for Education Statistics, their full-time enrollment is down a few hundred students. Their four- and six-year undergraduate graduation rates are at 39% and 47% respectively, not even a coin toss college. The tuition and fees revenue that drive most private colleges is down $4 million and change. That's what keeps the lights on. That's what makes the payroll, and it's down $4 million over eight years. The endowment at $43 million, not even at the college viability threshold reuse of $50 million. And interestingly, in a kind of inside baseball, inside college information, there's an IPEDS field called unfunded institutional grants. It's effectively discounts. It's effectively the funds that, it's not even a fund, it's effectively the amount that colleges use to discount tuition prices. And the amount at Graceland Limoni has gone up from $2 million in 2014 to $13 million in 2021, up 560. That's five, six, zero percent. And of more interest is something called funded institutional grants. This is where somebody's actually written a check to fund a nursing scholarship or a technology scholarship or a social scholarship of sorts. At Graceland Limoni, the funded institutional grants are down $10 million, down 82%. I look at a lot of college financial data. I don't see that very often. Somebody has had their hand in the financial cookie jar at Graceland Limoni. It would be fun, it would be interesting if a local reporter would ask why the funded grants are down. It's not going to happen, and even if they had the wherewithal to do so, the tap dance they would get from the college would be entertaining, but not very helpful. Send questions, comments, questions, comments, I said that. Guidance, ideas, tips. To me, Gary at collegeviability.com. That's Gary at collegeviability, that's one word, dot com. An interesting article from Cassia Lundy. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. She's a partner and principal at EY Parthenon, and she talks about excess capacity. And I'm going to read you the numbers. I'm trying to just keep the highlights in place here. She shares in the research that she did, instructional capacity from 2009 to 2022 went from 14 million seats to a little over 17 million seats. That's an increase in capacity of 3 million and change seats. She attaches that as a 1% capacity increase. 
By comparison, she writes, excess capacity, I'm going to have to define that, grew at 13% per year, 13 times the instructional capacity, from 800,000 potential seats in 2009 to 4 million in fiscal year 2022. The sector as a whole, the higher education sector as a whole, according to Casilla Lundy from, part, uh, from EY Parthenon, the sector as a whole operated at 94% capacity. That's not bad. In 2009, higher education capacity in 2022 operated at 77% capacity. The market, it is a changing. And she adds, and I'll add as in conclusion, excess capacity continues to increase even as we see a decline in the number of institutions. And Bruce Gill from TheMessenger.com, I don't remember where that is, jumps on the bandwagon as well. More colleges will shut down as enrollment drops, Mr. Gill says. And he notes that from a report from Fitch that each of the colleges that has closed has had fewer than 3,000 students. And they are in areas where college age populations are the most vulnerable to enrollment declines. Meaningful and persistent declines, Bruce Gill writes, in student fee revenue, usually the result of unexpected enrollment drops, are common precursors to consolidation or closure. And I'll add, not just the tuition and fee revenue and not just the enrollment, but when you start seeing those unfunded institutional grants, those discounts increase, we saw that with Iowa Wesleyan. That's also an indicator that there is trouble brewing and serious trouble indeed. And finally, let's wrap up by going to a college in Michigan and a college in, West, in North Carolina, Western Carolina University. Central Michigan University, student enrollment drops to a half century low. Now, this is the time of year when you see the opposite. Every college that has any kind of increase in enrollment finds a way to say they have had the biggest enrollment since God created colleges. So this one really caught my attention. Central Michigan University student enrollment drops to a half century low. This is from Justin Engel writing for M Live. I think that's Michigan Live on September 19th. And this has got to be in the category of hope as a strategy. In spite of the fact that the student enrollment drops to a half century low, Central Michigan University officials said preliminary enrollment numbers showed 14,411 students were attending. The last time Central Michigan University's student population was smaller was 1973. I was still in high school when enrollment was 14,270. Yet in the category of hope as a strategy, Leadership in a press release says, despite Central Michigan University enrollment falling to its lowest number since Richard Nixon was president, college officials, and I don't know how, college officials remain hopeful. A turnaround is approaching. Give me a dartboard. We'll be just as successful. But there is a silver lining in the fall 2023 figures, officials at Western Central Michigan University said. While enrollment dropped by 11,000 plus students in the last years, in the last eight years, a 43% decrease, 43% decrease. Get this one: the size of the annual decreases shrank considerably in recent years. 
write that in a letter home to Mama. And finally, Western Carolina University. The headline reads from Becky Johnson on September 21st, West Carolina University enrollment rebounding from pandemic. Lord, I hope all enrollment is rebound, rebound, re rebounding from the low pandemic numbers that we saw. And, and there is certainly some good news coming out of Western Carolina University. I'll let you look at that on your own. As, as always, I'll have the story links in the show notes. But for both of these, here's, here's the moral of the story. I've said this before. I'll say it today, and I'm sure I'll say it again. For both of these, they're not going to close. They're public institutions. But man, I would put a buck fifty on layoffs, on cuts in programs, cuts in majors, and cuts in courses, and God forbid even student amenities might be cut. All of these are realistic possibilities. And with that, we'll conclude this episode of This Week in College Viability for September 22nd, 2023. My name is Gary Stocker. We'll talk next time.